Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TV. And you're going to be watching the Doug and Dave Intel Report. And you see we have uh, Timothy Alberino here, and we have a very interesting show for you. There is a provocative article out there from the U.S. government, and we're going to try to dissect whether or not this is false flag, deliberate propaganda, or is it the real deal? So, uh, yes, we're talking about UFOs. So welcome to the site that's commercial-free, censorship-free, five-star ratings on the major platforms of the world. And uh, we're here to do our business. Um, I'm not quite sure where we should start with this. Um, I have heard this story uh, with regarding what the military is saying. But when I read the Military Times article, I was not impressed. I was more impressed by the anecdotal accounts of people I know. So uh, I'll just throw it back to either one of you, and you can just take it from there and go. Well, I'll, I'll get started. So the um, the Military Times posted an article on March 9th mm-hmm. from the Observation Post, and it says that Pentagon UFO chief says alien mothership in our solar system is possible. And it goes on to say that there's a possibility that extraterrestrial motherships and smaller probes may be visiting planets in our solar system. The head of the Pentagon's Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Research um, Office noted in a report draft on Tuesday, and this is what they said. Quote, an artificial interstellar object could potentially be a parent craft that releases many small probes during its close passage to Earth, an operational construct not too dissimilar from NASA's missions. Sean Kirkpatrick, director of the Pentagon's All-Domain Anomaly uh, resolution office wrote in a research report co-authored by Abraham Loeb, which is the chairman of Harvard University's astronomy department. So because of you have things like Amuamua, which some people consider that to be a alien ship from itself. And now the Pentagon obviously posting this type of a story. We wanted Timothy Alberino to come on. We always have the an amazing time when we talk with our good friend, Tim. So, Tim, thank you very much for being on. And what do you make of this newest enlightenment from the Pentagon? Well, I think it's interesting that it follows on the heels of all that, uh, the, the UFO spectacle that we witnessed in the news a couple of weeks ago in regards to the, those, uh, the one that was certainly a Chinese uh, spy balloon, but then 
the the other balloons that were shot down appear to have been Hobby Lobby balloons. We talked about that, and and it's amazing how quickly that story disappeared from the news. I mean, they made such a big deal about that for a couple of weeks, and then it just for a week, and then it just went radio silence on the story. Mm-hmm. And and we noted in our conversation about that, we noted that the the nomenclature of UFO was being sort of brought back, picked up out of the mothballs again and, and put back on the shelf um, because that is not, that has not been the preferred term in the, in, by the news agencies. Um, the preferred term is of course UAP. UAP. It was interesting to me that they were trotting out the UFO, which is, which is the, which is the, the appellation that I prefer. I don't like the UAP denomination for for various reasons. So um it's it, again it's interesting that this follows is following sort of in a sequence of events. Um it's important to note right off the bat here that that Sean Kilpatrick previously served as the chief scientist at the Defense Intelligence Agency's Missile and Space Intelligence Center. That's where this guy comes from, uh, who wrote the article, um, who can, who wrote the article along with Ab- Abraham Loeb from Harvard University. So, um, these are serious dudes who wrote this article. This isn't, you know, this, this, this isn't a couple of fringe guys. These, these are very serious individuals. Uh, and this this is a draft, an AARO report draft entitled Physical Constraints on Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, which I think what, is a, which is can, a provocative title. And, I, and I, it makes me wonder what the whole report is actually going to be about. Yeah. Well, what's the term physical restraints mean to you? Um, I have no idea what exactly they're they're going to talk about in this report because physical constraints that would that would indicate to me that they know something about this aerial phenomena that they can at least begin to define perhaps some of the physics involved i don't know i mean uh, what what do you think uh, to me it sounds I, I, like loss, th- yeah. physical constraints to me sounds like something that they can now measure and put into data and analyze and if you can measure something, put in the data, analyze it, then you can produce it and reproduce it. And at that point in time, if you can find a physical constraint on an object, then you could then what start to match trajectory, um, length of time before it approaches another celestial object like another planet. I mean, that's we're, we're talking about scientific um, descriptions now of of objects, their mass, the the movement. You know, to me, it sounds like they're tracking something. Well, we know they're tracking something, as you mentioned, Abraham Loeb, who uh, who's the chairman of Harvard University's, University's astronomy department. Again, a very serious individual. Um, he gained no- notoriety when he proposed that our solar system had been traversed by its first extrasolar visitor in October 2017, and and he means an artificial visitor not not just a meteor or something like that or or or, or rather a, a a comet or something like that mm-hmm. um and so according to again the chairman of harvard university's astronomy astronomy department we already picked up 
an interstellar UFO in 2017. It was moving in a, in a way that that suggests that it's that it's an artifact that it's a it's artificial that it's an artificial phenomenon. This object that they detected. So um, it, it, that to me is is very very interesting. I, I would be curious to know what what other kind of data they were able to derive from from this object because it's it's a big deal when you have this caliber of guys coming out and making these sort of jaw-dropping announcements um and and again this follows you forget about the balloon stuff and let's go back to 2017 when not only did they track this interstellar ob this extrasolar rather extrasolar object um in our solar system that's also when the pentagon released i say released that's when the new york times broke the nimitz incident story um which i think was a leak from the pentagon so yeah totally so it's uh it it those two things coincide Uh, so it's it's very interesting I'd like to throw something out, though, and then I don't think this is the case, but I think we have to consider it. Um, the Chinese spy balloon happened when things were heating up with Hunter Biden's laptop. So some people said distraction. I have a document here. It's called OP1670 from the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, and they're already talking about freezing assets. And this failure of the bank I knew about two days before it happened in Silicon Valley and it's a big deal because it's the bank uh, used by most of the big tech. Mm-hmm. And 90% of the assets were not insured, which is going to be the case across the country in all banks because the FDIC is insolvent. Could this be another distraction based on something like that? It could be. It's always possible that that these kind of things are distractions. Certainly the balloon incident that happened a couple of weeks ago, was a distraction, not just from Hunter Biden. There's several things going on. Don't forget that derailment over in Palestine, Ohio, which was, which was a much bigger story than I think anybody even has contemplated yet. But, um, so certainly it was being used as a cover up. And that I think was our analysis of that scenario. Um, this, this, although that could be the case here, I think this, this, circumvents what happened a couple weeks ago in my mind even though it seems to follow in this sequence of ufo chatter i think this is more connected to what what began to happen in 2017 with the nimitz incident um leak Uh, this seems to be uh, a more serious situation uh that is real and that is it feels to me it feels to me this is just part of the ongoing attempt of the Pentagon to control the narrative around UFOs because the phenomenon is burgeoning and it's becoming more and more apparent and in, and to some extent uh, hostile. In fact, let's not forget that the AARO, the Pentagon's All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, which was established in 2022, so it's a very new office, which which was established to invest established to investigate unidentified objects of interest around military installations. That's the primary purpose of the AARO. So again, as I always say, what we have here is a phenomenon that's that's 
being talked about that's being featured within the context of a national security threat. So this is what I mean when I say that the phenomenon is is taking a more hostile posture, because what's really got the Pentagon concerned is that the is the heightened activity of UFOs around secret and known military installations. So that's sort of the 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 subtext here to, to all of this. That's been going on that, for several decades, though, hasn't it, Tim? It has, but I think, as as I said, I think that we're we're seeing an escalation uh, in the, the in the phenomenon. In other words, the frequency is increasing, and to some extent, and I'm going to use the word hostility. The hostility is increasing, and by hostility, I don't mean that the that the UFOs are shooting lasers, uh, you know, are are firing lasers at our at our military installations rather it's an overt display of dominance an overt display of technological superiority why which do you, i think is increasing that, why do you suppose that the pentagon is briefing us on this and not nasa because nasa is a dog and pony show and and again this is this is and, and that's actually a really good question doug um, the, the, my NASA's a dog and pony show, number one, but number two, it's almost NASA's almost, it's going to be irrelevant soon because of mm-hmm. Musk and because of Brant, uh, Branson and because of, um, Bezos. But, um, the reason why the Pentagon is breaking this rather than NASA is because precisely because it's a national security threat. NASA doesn't deal with national security threats. NASA no, deals with no. space exploration. The Pentagon deals with national security threats. So again, yeah. well, th- this is the context. Yeah. We ha- everyone always has to keep in mind what is the context of this rollout, this soft disclosure rollout. The context is unequivocally a national security threat. And there are some some ufologists who I respect who seem to want to to want to uh, reject the notion that this is being cast as a national security threat, but to me, it's so obvious that that's what's happening here. Uh, and I and I don't and I don't think, by the way, and we can we can delve deeper into this if you want to. I don't think, by the way, that this is a ruse or a deception. I think what we what we have here is a is a is a genuine phenomenon that that the Pentagon has no control over. The only thing that they can control is the narrative. That's it. They cannot control the phenomenon. Let me ask you this question, because in their statement, they say a artificial interstellar object could potentially be a parent craft that releases small probes um, that would have a close passage to earth and an operational construct, not too dissimilar from NASA's missions. So NASA, obviously, this is science and research and exploration. They are not what we would call a military entity, though anything in space is a military attachment. There, there's no way around it. If it's in space, it belongs to the military. So the Pentagon is the one who's laying claim to this. And if they're laying claim to it, like you said, then there has to be a, quote, threat posture at some point in time that they're observing or monitoring. But what do you think this statement means? An artificial interstellar object that could be a parent craft that could be smaller probes. And here's what I'll say. The Amuamua that they 
had documented in, t- in 2017. Mm-hmm. Tell me if this, uh, if the size of this sounds um, wrong to you. They said that Oumuamua was a small object estimated to be between 100 meters long to 1,000 meters long. That's quite a... We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time difference okay and that it was between 35 and 167 meters thick that is an aircraft carrier or bigger mm-hmm. do some other shit flying through space yeah i mean if you look at any of our aircraft that goes into space they are not a hundred meters long. The spaceships are not that big. So, you know, we're talking about something of a tremendous size for human comparisons. This is tremendous size. Well, let's not forget so, about the Phoenix Light Lights craft, which was also tremendously right. large and hovering very and, and almost hovering. It was moving very slowly over the Phoenix area. And that that's a that is a positive ufo sighting that is not a speculative sighting it has been positively identified as an actual ufo it was some sort of an artificial craft um it was not it was not obviously not natural phenomena it wasn't uh it wasn't flares 
uh, or swamp gas or anything or any of these other stupid uh, and sometimes a lot of sightings do turn out to be flares by the way but yeah. but not these legitimate sightings where you have hundreds and hundreds even thousands of witnesses and even the mayor of I forget his name of the city at the time came out and said they knew that it was an artificial craft and uh and for some reason, I don't remember if he was under duress to do it or not, but he came out and made a big show of it and, and, and made fun of a, made oh, fun that of was, that was, that was, uh, Governor Symington that did that. That's right. Um, and later on, he apologized. Yes. He, was, he, he, he embarrassed Francis Barwood, a Phoenix City Councilwoman who exposed this at the Phoenix City Council meeting. That's right. And she said, I'm only asking what my constituents are asking. That's right. And, and he and came dressed vilif- like an alien yeah, or something. They vilified the hell out of her. Yep. Let me tell you, the I saw the Phoenix Lights, by the way. I was living in the city at the time, and I was out shooting baskets at night with a porch light on. And I'm looking out over, and I'm thinking, what the hell? And everything went quiet. Shadows appeared. where no street light. It was crazy. And uh, the official explanation, though, Tim, this was the official explanation initially. There was no craft. There was no nothing. It was... Um, fireworks and other light phenomena from the Illinois National Guard south mm-hmm. of South Mountain. Now, as I looked parallel directly from west to east when I saw the craft, and it's going to get to South Mountain where they made this bogus story, it had to travel another 15 miles. There was no way this was what they said it was. That was the initial explanation. Now, at the time, I was actually teaching a college course at Luke Air Force Base, and I had a radar operator in my class. And he, I said something in class about, well, let's hope we don't get invaded by aliens now. And this was after the event. And the radar operator came up to me and says, you know, you never can ascribe this to me, but but uh, we tracked a craft on radar the whole time. Mm-hmm. He said it's not what they're telling the public. A very, very large craft. I mean, uh, he thought it, it was two miles long. Two miles long. That's right. And so, you know, this Harvard, the chairman of the astron- uh, astronomy department at uh, Harvard is talking about an interstellar mothership. But what about the Phoenix Lights? What about the two mile long craft over Phoenix, Arizona, just a decade or so ago? Yes. So we're way beyond. Yeah. Yeah. We're way beyond a mothership in our solar system. Yeah, but uh, they didn't want to acknowledge it. So I want to use that as a springboard to come back to what we're saying here. I am shocked that the military is being forthcoming about uh, this uh, supposedly interstellar craft that's entered our solar system. And the reason I'm shocked is because I've seen how they've handled every other incident like this, except that incident off the coast of California in 2017 with Commander Farver. You know, I, I just wonder what's their purpose, because they would rather lie to us than tell us the truth. That's their history. Uh well, I don't deny that that's their history, but in this case, as I said, the, most cases when they lie to us, they can control the circumstances at least to some degree. They have some degree of control over the circumstances. They can not only can they craft the narrative, but they, but they can also mold the scenario that's unfolding um, for which the narrative is crafted. In this case, they have absolutely no control over the phenomenon none and i think that scares them number one and and let's let's always remember that when i say them we're talking about two distinct groups at the pentagon we're talking about the people who are sort of latecomers to the topic of ufos who are Mm -hmm. heading up these um 
these offices and who are basically just saying things that ufologists have known for decades. Of course, these guys probably know a whole lot more that they're not saying publicly. And then there's the other guys. And maybe there's a little bit of crossover crossover here, too. The other guys are the guys that actually have access to the black budget projects that are being developed by our aerospace, uh, the aerospace contracting companies like Lockheed Martin and many others. Um, that's a different group. That's the group that has hands on the technology. That's right. That's the group that's in, in the business of reverse engineering, uh, alien craft, craft retrievals. And perhaps even very likely, in my opinion, have had access to the biological entities and have done autopsies and all kinds of things and perhaps are even interfacing with some of these entities. That's those are two separate groups. There's probably some crossover there at the top. Um, but but there are very few in my estimation. This is my this is an educated guess based on my research and based on, you know, my uh, and, and based on the, the, the compendium of, of good ufology that's been done over the decades, it's 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 my estimation that there are very few people working at the Pentagon who have access to those black budget projects, much less even know or who know about the black budget projects, much less have access to them or even to the deep underground military base uh, system that we have under the United States. So, Tim, um, I want to go ahead. I'm sorry. I want to. Doug will know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to go into any detail, but I just want to ask you your opinion on a on a subject here. That same Phoenix City Councilwoman, Frances Barwood, I came to know her through some mutual contacts. We dined together in our family, and uh, she told me that the FBI met with the Phoenix City Council in executive session, and they were told, we need you to give us prime real estate land near downtown Phoenix so we can build a federal center to combat terrorist threats. She didn't believe the terrorist threats. Today, over, what, 25, 26 years later, that structure is built, but it only appears to be about 5% occupied. It's high tech. And I've been told by other people, Doug knows this story, that there are craft biometric craft below the city of phoenix so i was going to say it's underground base are yeah but but they the time frame that some people will put on this not francis but someone else i know will say it's thousands of years old um it looks i just wanted to get your opinion do you think that that's possible yes absolutely and i think it's i think that as i've said as we've we've, as we've talked about in previous on previous occasions I think that such a scenario is what's the word I want to use. It's it's to some extent presumed within the biblical narrative, because we know that mankind has been in contact with advanced extraterrestrial beings since the beginning, since since the origin, since Adam drew his first breath on Earth. Yeah, let me take we call one those more. being angels. Those beings angels, and there's there's you know. To put it in very simple terms, there's the good guys and the bad guys, and the bad guy, both the good guys and the bad guys, have been interfacing with mankind and have been have been traversing our uh, our have been traversing the skies above our civilizations since the beginning. So, would it surprise me if, let's say, the bad guys have bases and technology and even manufacturing facilities beneath the earth? Within the Earth, okay. The uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all. This might just bounce off you, and it's irrelevant. But since we're here, 
Um, my source for that information, it kind of goes parallel to what Phoenix City Council and Francis Barwood told me, um, is the grandson of a Hopi elder. And he said the craft was biometric and it doesn't interact with our DNA. And that's what they're trying to figure out. That's why they built the federal center so they could access it below ground. And he knew all this. And uh, he also knew, well, let's put, let's put it there. I just want to put it back to you for a reaction to this. Uh, again, that doesn't, I, I, there's no reason why I would ever doubt that kind of a story, or at least the premise of that kind of a story. Okay. Because of the, as I said, because I am thoroughly convinced, based on the biblical narrative, that advanced beings have been operating on the earth for, again, since the beginning, for thousands of years on the earth. What have they been doing? I mean, to put it into simple terms, um, you know, we, we, we know, Christians know that there's such a thing called the kingdom of darkness, but, but most Christians picture this, this, these demonic beings with horns and red skin and, and, you know, pitchforks and they're in this hellish realm. And, and this entity we call Satan is just the Lord over this hellish realm. Uh, we don't think about, rather, we don't think about him being instead occupying perhaps parts of the inner earth and, and equipped with advanced technology, perhaps even manufacturing technology, what we would call advanced aerospace vehicles and other kinds of technology and operating very much, uh, like a civilization beneath our feet. That's Indeed. not the usual ask- Christ- Christian contemplation, but it is certainly mine at this point right. in my life. Let me ask you a question, Tim. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and powers of the air. There's, there's really never many more uh, verses for definition for powers of the air. What do you think that's, that verse could potentially lead to? Do you think it could lead to the potentiality that fallen angels or the bad guys, as you would call it, uh, have the possessed technology to create craft. And, and this is a conversation actually going to what you and I discussed yesterday was when you have extrasolar events where you have these craft um, like a Muamua coming into the solar system, if this is a craft and this is what the Pentagon says it is, then where is it manufactured? How do you get the metallurgy, the technology? Who welded the damn thing together? Who bolted it together? You know, I mean, if that's even how the craft is formed. Right. This is uh, you and I were having this conversation in response to. To reading comments on uh, posts, comments revolving around this story about uh, the the one that we're talking about tonight, this uh, mothership, potential mothership, and then other stories regarding UFOs. There's a common, re- let's call it a recoil in the Christian community. I'm not here to bash the Christian community. I'm a part of the Christian community, and, and as are you guys. And I'm not here to bash Christians. I'm here to help people perhaps have a more expansive and certainly a more elastic paradigm. Because as I often say, if your paradigm is not elastic, it's going to break when it's forced to bend, when it's forced to expand or flex, it's going to snap. You know, it's the, it's, it's, it's the principle of you don't, you don't pour new wine into old wine skins because the new wine will burst the old wine skins. And so the reason why this is so important to me and so relevant to me as it pertains to 
uh, the body of Christ as it pertains to Christians is because I want people to have elastic paradigms. I want them to have paradigms that that can be expanded so that they're so that they don't break when they have to deal with uh, realities that are not being contemplated currently. And so the the recoil uh, that so many Christians have when dealing with the UFO topic, especially if you're talking about extrasolar, and let's just set aside the whole flat earth issue, because that's one of the recoils, but it's not the one I'm addressing yeah. right now. The, 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 the primary recoil is in regard to the notion that there are extraterrestrials or aliens uh, extraterrestrial extraterrestrial slash aliens because they're really the same thing uh, operating in our solar system and 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 again the recoil is 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 this 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 perhaps it's sort of a an emotion it's emotive in nature that people feel the need to reject that proposition or else they they are somehow uh, they are somehow um thinking in terms that are extra biblical let's put it that way okay when when in reality the opposite is true as i've said many 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 times and so um people will say for example no that's just a deception for example in regard to this particular story that's just a deception it's not a mothership there are no aliens there's o- there are only fallen angels i've heard that so many times no there are no aliens there are no extraterrestrials there are only demons and fallen angels well but there were also giants and satyrs and well, yes all but, other types of stuff. but but that but that very no that that the Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for my pillow. For example, they've got half off my pillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to mypillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. Mypillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. That, that response is, is, uh, what, what's, what's the nice way I want to put it? Un- here? Unenlightened. Well, it's, it's certainly unenlightened, but it, but it's, it's, you're also, I mean, that response is, is unbiblical in my estimation. Why? Because as we all know, and as I've said ad nauseum on interview after interview, not you guys, but with a whole bunch of other people as well, um, angels are, by their very nature, extraterrestrial and alien to the human species. That's true. That's true. That's it. I mean, period. So that's the that's the first thought. The second thought is um the second thought. I just lost the second thought, <laughs> but let me return to the first okay. thought and expand on it. So we know that, a, oh, the second thought, it just came back to me. Uh, I need to drink a little bit more coffee. The second thought is that it's it's not aliens, there's only fallen angels. Okay, but why only fallen angels? What about, like, good the good guys? What about the good guys? Are they just riding around? In chariots being pulled by flying horses like, like Santa Claus with the reindeer. I mean, is that, is that all they're doing? So, so why do we, and, and why do we cut out 
the good guys out of the equation? Why can't they have a mothership? Why can't they be traversing well, let me, the skies? Let me ask. Let me ask advanced aerospace so vehicles. So what you're saying is that when you limit, when you, you limit the enemy, okay, the enemy that is, when you limit them to only a, a paradigm of fallen angels, then you actually limit the capability and scope of Satan. You actually limit the capability and scope of devil, the father of lies, the one who can even appear as a, a minister of light, as an angel himself. Um and, and all of his little followers can, you know, perform their own little miracles. When we say that they can only be fit into this one little square cookie cutter cutout that's been used for, you know, at least 10, 20 years now, and it's very, very popular that Nephilim, fallen angels, and aliens are all the same thing, even though the Bible really doesn't completely clarify that. You limit the capability and scope of a deception. Very well, certainly about a deception. Exactly. That was going to be my response to everything that you said, right. Tim. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't want to. No, I, 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 well, Doug and I've talked about this at length and um, we don't know what the great deception is, but this certainly could fit into that paradigm. So for people to say there's only this or that, they're assuming that Satan would never engage in a great deception. So, I, I mean, that's naive at best. Right. And I think, mo- you know, most people are aware that at some point there's going to be a deception. I believe that the deception revolves specifically around the person of Jesus Christ, the son of God. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be in regard to an imposter, an imposter Christ, an imposter Messiah, that that is the primary deception. The existence. Now, let me say this clearly. The existence of extraterrestrials and or aliens is not a deception. That is not a deception. That is a foregone conclusion, according to the biblical narrative. That's a foregone conclusion. Extraterrestrials slash aliens do exist. We know that because of the Old Testament and the New Testament of the Bible. We know that. So, I think, you know, I think that's part of that expanding our paradigm that I think uh, many of the listeners need need to do right away. It's just expand your paradigm because this is not an extra-biblical concept. This is very much a biblical concept. Mm-hmm. Extraterrestrials slash aliens do exist. And you can say, well, they're not from outer space or from another dimension or they're, or they're from a spiritual realm. I don't care. I don't care about that terminology. It doesn't make a difference. It does not change the my statement it does not it does not it does not change the verity of this statement extraterrestrials slash aliens do exist they do so their existence is not a deception so if we find a mothership in the solar system that's not by definition a deception because it, the existence of extraterrestrials is presumed, and indeed, I would go so far as to say that the existence of extraterrestrials in possession of advanced technology is presumed within the biblical narrative. And so we should expect to find something like that out there. I mean, I, I would expect to find it reading the biblical narrative and seeing the kinds of things that angels do and the kind of technology that they apparently wield. I would extrapolate then that these beings come from an advanced civilization. 
that is that that has locality and is located somewhere other than planet Earth. Therefore, it would not surprise me if the good guys as well as the bad guys are operating advanced aerospace vehicles and why not have a mothership? I mean, exactly as this article says, that's what we would do. That's what NASA does. I mean, if we had the capability to explore our solar system, we would have a mothership from which smaller ships would deploy. That's exactly what we would do. We would send out probes and so forth. And so I don't think any of this should, we should, we should resist this, this automatic recoil at the notion that these might be extraterrestrials. So what if they are? Again, I think we should expect that that scenario to unfold at some point or, or to become enlightened to that scenario as human beings, that there are other sentient beings in the universe, especially as Christians who are uh, familiar with the Bible. And so uh, right there, that alone, if you accept that what I just said, then then you're you're not you're not in danger of being deceived by the existence of an extraterrestrial or alien there's nothing deceptive about the mere existence of a being the deception is going to come when one of these beings in my estimation is going to proclaim himself the messiah the second coming of jesus something of this nature it's going to revolve around the person of christ that's why Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? That's the question. Who is Christ? Who is Jesus of Nazareth? That is the essential question, and it is the, uh, the, the, it, 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 the deception is going to revolve around the imposter who calls himself Christ, and makes himself into the Messiah, and who will be, by the way, to some extent, a Messiah, I believe this individual who we call the Antichrist is going to show up to deliver mankind and, and, and act as a Messiah, a savior to the world. And we've talked about that before. So let me just read it one more time. The existence of extraterrestrials, be they angels, fallen angels, be they <laughs> aliens, reptilians, whatever they are, is not in and of itself a deception. Let me ask you something when it comes to angels. The Bible quite often does not depict angels as having wings. I believe that it's only the seraphim and the cherubim that have wings. So, you know, and many times in the Bible when the angels appear uh, before man, they are in human form or they are a being of just, you know, light. Um, but they, how many times do you, do you hear of them flying in? And showing themselves with wings, I mean, like I said, from what I've gathered so far in Scripture, it's not. It's only seraphim and cherubim. So then you have to ask yourself, how do they get there? How do they just appear? Well, we know how they get there because we've see, we see it a couple of times in the narrative. They 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 arrive in in what are called the chariots of God or the chariots of Israel, which which. You know, to the Iron Age observer, they are imagining a chariot being pulled by horses, but that it's a chariot of fire, which they're also called. Um, and so obviously they're trying to describe something which for, for which they have no terminology. And yes, they have words for shiny and metallic and so forth of some 
as some scholars have pointed out, but, but, but they're not just trying to explain, to describe a shiny thing. They're trying to describe a vehicle of conveyance, not just a shiny object, a vehicle of conveyance. And so when you describe a vehicle of conveyance, you, you're going to use the, you're, you're going to use the most obvious analogy that you have. In other words, if your most advanced form of transportation is a chariot, which it was back in, in the Iron Age, it, you're going to liken what you're seeing to some sort of a, a chariot, like a chariot of fire, because that's the most advanced vehicle of conveyance that you can conceive of. And and so um, we do see angels. In, and I would put it very, I would put it in these terms. We see angels operating advanced aerospace vehicles, um, among other things. I mean, among other kinds of indications of technology. Now, in regard to the, the cherubim or the, or the seraphim or these other entities that are seen within the context of, of prophecy, within the contract context of a perceptual experience, a visionary experience, um, the the cherubim are clearly symbolic creatures. Uh, I do not expect to find a four faced creature like this standing in front of the in front of the throne of God because uh, these creatures are very clearly symbolic. They they are information. Remember that when a prophet uh, in the Old Testament or even in the New, let's let's for example, let's think of John, uh, who's on the island of Patmos in the spirit on the Lord's day, when he began to have a vision, he began to have a vision. Uh, Prophets, in one case, I forget who it was, if it was, uh, I don't remember the exact prophet, but there's a a prophet in the Old Testament who his prophecy begins by him sitting by a river. He's sitting by a river, and suddenly he has a visionary experience. So, So when you have a vision or a dream, uh, when you have a prophetic experience like this, your perception is being, and I don't mean to use this word negatively, it's being hijacked. So you are being shown things like your, 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 your perception is being manipulated in order to convey information to, to you. So the things that you see, and again, I don't mean to say this to paint this in a negative light at all, but it's very much like, sounds like uh, what the grays do. Well, it's some. Well, it's very much like what the Greys do, but it's also like people who are who are tripping on mushrooms. Your the 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 psilocybin, for example, in a mushroom is, is 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 interacting with with your with with the perceptual mechanisms of your brain, and it's producing a perceptual experience. Now, if I'm in my bedroom tripping on mushrooms, and you walk into my bedroom, you're not you're going to see me sitting there on the floor. Or whatever, laying in the bed. You're not gonna. I'm not gonna be gone. I'm not gonna be absent from that environment. But in my, in my own perceptual experience, I'm gone. I'm like, who knows? I'm riding a unicorn, you know, on a on a rainbow or something. I don't know. But but the point is, my body is sitting there. I'm still there. I'm still present. But my 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 perceptual faculties have been hijacked, or manipulated, or influenced by the psilocybin, and so I'm having this trip, right? Now, that's not to say that prophets were taking psilocybin and tripping. No, rather what was happening to them was they were receiving a coded message from God. They were receiving a message, a message that was carefully designed that they would write down and record and that would be conveyed through time. And so that message was symbolic. It was symbolic. Everything that they experienced is symbolic and metaphor 
and and analogy it's 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 all um packaged information that they're receiving that is the nature of a visionary experience i, I mean we all know that any kind of visionary experience as i said whether it's whether whether you're under the influence of of magic mushrooms or whether you're on a vision quest a native american on a vision quest or whatever we all understand we all understand that in those contexts what's happening to you is happening here it's perceptual it's happening in your mind now are there occasions in which maybe some of these people were actually taken up taken out of their locality and taken up into heaven and shown things uh possibly that's why paul says that 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 he knows a man who who whether in the body or out of the body he knows not in other words he doesn't know if he was in the body or out of the body but he had this experience it was likely a perceptual experience that doesn't mean that it's not an experience from god it certainly is because it's just like a dream by the way so we know that most of our dreams are nonsense but every now and again god will intervene in a person's dreams and deposit information Right. And that information usually comes in the form of symbolism. It comes in the form of familiar faces and voices and, and, and things from your life or sometimes not. Sometimes it's, it's, it's wholly exotic experiences in, in, in the dream, in the dreamscape. But nevertheless, it is, it is divine messaging. It's information from God being delivered to you through your percept, perceptual, perceptual faculties. Again, whether it be the dream state, whether it be uh, uh, some sort of a visionary straight uh, um, state, which we call, um, which some people refer to as a prophetic trance or something of that nature. So, so whatever is viewed within that context, what, whatever information is received in the context of a perceptual experience must not be taken literally. Because the whole objective there is to convey, convey information. And again, it is, it is the hijacking of your perceptual ca- uh, faculties in order to communicate with you. And so I said all of that mm. to return to this idea of cherubim. The cherubim are represent coded information. They need to be unpacked. There's a reason why they have these four faces, which I've, which I've said, I think, which we've talked about before. They correspond to the four, the cardinal directions of the zodiac, you know, the face. Uh, the face of a man, the face of an eagle, the face of a lion, and the face of an ox. Those are the four cardinal directions of the zodiac: um, Aquarius, Scorpio, um, Leo, and and uh, and uh, Tori. Uh, and uh, uh, oh, geez, what's the bull? Taurus, Taurus, uh, Taurus, Taurus, Taurus. Yeah, I, I almost said it, and then I pulled back and said, well, "Wait a minute, what am I saying? I lost the word." And Taurus. So obviously, there's. And, and by the way, when you talk about the zodiac, immediately, immediately, what's insinuated here is time, time. So whatever that cherub is communicating in terms of the symbology, and it's in its ancient Near Eastern iconography. By the way, it's not unique to the to the israelites it's it comes from mesopotamia it's in egypt it's ancient near east iconography the chair the the, the beam. this is not an artifact of uh exclusively of 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 hebrew cosmology rather it's an artifact of ancient near eastern eastern cosmology in general but, um and it is symbolic it's symbolic Tim, let me ask you a question. I actually got two questions. Uh, the first one is about the uh, nature of prophecy and visions. Um, in the 
present world we live in, I think the quantum model to explain knowing things ahead of time, having a vision, a prophecy, is explained by the fact that the brain is not a three-dimensional computer simulation. It's um, multidimensional, and I think it speaks to the fact that when Jesus walked on water and turned uh, stone into bread, he said, this I do and you can do more. I think it has to do with harnessing from the brain extra dimensional of the three dimensions that we do. For example, if you go to the fifth dimension, it's standard theory that time stands still and you can see all things on one time strand. And I think that explains some of prophecy is it's a fifth dimensional reality. Um, and then the second thing I'd like you to respond to is um, what struck me wrong about this story was the fact that they expect this craft to deploy all oh, the equivalent of drones to come to the earth. And I'm thinking, how would they even know this? If this is alien and foreign, how would you know what their MO is? Um, my response to the first question is I have no idea what, what other dimensions look like or how we would even conceive of them. I just really, I, I really don't know because it may be that, and, and I do propose in my book, by the way, in the, in the beginning of my book, Birthright, I do propose that Adam and Eve were able to perceive the they were able to perceive the 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 dimensional totality of created order. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly and, what I'm talking about. Right, um, Tim. There whatever was, that means. Whatever that means. Let me respond to that before you go to the second question. Uh, the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Project, a 30-year Princeton study that studied things like can people tell that people are staring at them from behind? Mm -hmm. And there's overwhelming evidence that's true. But Mm -hmm. it even gets more interesting. They produced listening stations to people's autonomic systems. And they found that people about four hours before a major catastrophic event will begin to um, experience collectively as, as groups around the world. And they had like 50 of these stations around the world where people would submit themselves to autonomic testing on a daily basis. And they would find that people's, you know, blood pressure, respiration rate, and so forth, like a fight or flight mechanism would kick in. And the, this is Princeton now. This is the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research, not done by psychology, interestingly enough, or physicists, it was done by engineers. And and what they found was the two biggest spikes in collective autonomic response around the world was, number one, before 9-11, number two was the Malaysian tsunami of 2004. Hmm. And so that's not proof of what I'm saying about extra-dimensional, but it kind of leads you to that yeah. step to say, what's the next thing? Um, so I agree. That's why I asked you the question, because I know a lot about pair. It was called PAIR, Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research. I actually did some uh, at-home tutorials that they would send out before they stopped doing the study. Fascinating stuff. Well, uh, but but go but go ahead, go ahead and respond. I would say that I would I would just add that it's not just human beings; animals just are also capable of the same yeah. thing to some extent. That's why you'll see, you know, flocks of birds take off hours be- before some sort of a natural disaster happens. Um, it, it, there's there's obviously we are not accessing the full potential of our perceptive perceptual mm-hmm. capabilities and, yeah. and and again the the way that i put it in my book is um i believe that adam and eve could could uh, could not only 
detect, but also interact with the dimensional totality of created order, that that's what, that they were designed to do that. Um, but I, but I believe that our problem fundamentally as the offspring, the broken down, degenerate offspring of Adam and Eve is we have something that I call perceptual cataracts. It's precisely what Paul said. We see through a glass dimly, uh, or darkly and, and uh, a glass glass at that time or a mirror we see as through a, as we see as through a mirror uh, dimly and mirrors at that time were polished obsidian or or some sort of a polished metal and you only get the you, you only really get the the silhouette the outline of of your own for example your own face if you're looking into polished bronze you'll get that you'll get a vague a cloudy uh, reflection, but not not like we're used to. Not not the reflection that comes from a glass mirror. You get a very cloudy reflection, and that's what Paul is referring to. So we we do not certainly we are not perceiving the dimensional totality of the environment that we inhabit, and and that's an important point. See, we are we are already inhabiting this dimensional totality it's a matter of perception we can't perceive all of it although i do believe that uh that we will at the resurrection i think that that will be rectified that's why i say that the resurrection is the rectification of the human condition and at the resurrection all of these amazing innate abilities that adam and eve had are going to be restored to us um, through Christ at the resurrection, and we will once again perceive the dimensional totality of created order and be able to interact with it, what, whatever that means. And certainly, you know, we have human beings have empathic capabilities. We do know in in many cases we can discern when somebody is staring at us behind us. We can discern in many cases, and there's people who have heightened discernment with us who have a heightened empathic capabilities. When somebody walks into a room and your back is turned to the door and somebody walks into the room that's very angry or very sad, that's that's effusing strong emotions. There are people who can detect that instantly and turn around and 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 indeed see that somebody very angry just walked into the door, somebody very depressed, crestfallen walked into the room. That those are empathic capabilities that we all have to some extent. Some people have them to a greater extent. By the way, um Dave, you may find this interesting. Um, I believe also, apart from these empathic capabilities, I also believe that we have that the human species is inherently telepathic as well, but that we've lost that capability to a great extent and that we could sort of like a broken radio. And this is what I think you might find, find fascinating. I believe that it is, it is, it, 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 that these, there are some people and I, and, and I think it's, it's related to our, 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 Genetic family line. There are some people who, who's, who's, let's call these our extrasensory, sensory capabilities are more activated, are more active than others. In other words, it's, it's genetic because it has to do with these are innate capabilities, uh, of the human species that have be, that have degenerated over time. They've degenerated more in some family lines than in others, or rather they've degenerated less in some family lines. And I believe that, that, that the gray aliens are choosing specifically, this is my guess. Okay. So this is my hypothesis that the, that the grays, because we know that abductions, 
that it's family lines. So it's the abductions are uh, hereditary. So if you're one of your parents is an abductee, you're likely an abductee. If both of your parents are, are abductees, you are an abductee. So, and it probably if one of your parents is an abductee, you are an abductee as well. But certainly if both of them. So there's something hereditary about this. And there's several reasons that I give why I think that that's the case in, in birth, in my book, Birthright. But, but I think the one that's most provocative is maybe the Greys are selecting these genetic lines, these family lines that are, that are, more attuned to these empathic and telepathic capabilities inherent in the human species. In other words, they're the least damaged. These are the least damaged genetic lines. Why? Because the Gray's control over human beings is telepathic. So yeah, it would that's, what it, that's true. That's, what it would signal, what it would signal is that these people if I'm right, then then the Greys are choosing these people from these particular genetic lines because these people are already, because of their genetic uh, disposition to a heightened, let's to these heightened extrasensory capabilities. They're also they are they are also predisposed then to be more easily controlled by the Greys to to be to be more easily interfaced they can interface with the grays more easily than those of us whose extrasensory faculties are 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 broken down are are degenerated more than these other individuals does that make sense am i am i that may, I, no, it makes perfect sense but i when i talked about extra dimensional abilities um i was talking about telepathy that's exactly uh, what I was hey, let me intervene. <clears throat> let me intervene because you're both right. So um, I'll give you a little bit of a history class for anyone who wants to know about this subject. Um, Tim, you're talking about telepathic capabilities. We're both talking about, all three of us talking about extrasensory capabilities, things that the average person can't do. Well, the CIA actually had a study on this called Project Sunstreak. Project Sunstreak happened before MK Ultra. Now, during this time, the CIA was actually studying parapsychology, paranormal activities, and things that they could study and measure like ESP, Dave. You and I have actually d done quite a few shows on this. There was a document from China. There was um, state doctors from China that were documenting and actually had um, documentation proceeding back and forth between the U.S. CIA and China of children that they were able to measure, document, and determine that they could actually manipulate a hard material object and pass it through another hard material object. And in the example that they actually wrote down, and if anyone wants, I have the documentation for it, and maybe I'll just put it on this video, but it actually is they moved, I believe, a utensil into a clear glass jar. Without opening it, they passed it through the glass with just their mind. So this is something that the Chinese were looking for, these actual individual children. And they were actually, Tim, looking for the biomarkers hmm. of these children. That's interesting. So that, they can then, so that they can then determine these children seem to have a unique capability with this. I don't know if it's a chromosome, a blood type a family lineage, however you want to define it, but the Chinese government, and, and don't forget, 
from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, it was a Cold War, but the thing that was hot at that point in time, a hot war, was actually the ESP war, the parapsychology yeah. war. Re- remote mm-hmm. viewing and so forth, exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's a great point. No, that's a great point. I think that that confirms that there's something there's something genetic about these capabilities. Again, let me reiterate. I believe these capability capabilities are inherent in the human species. In other words, we all have them to some degree. I think that's what you were alluding to, Dave. We all have them to some degree, but there are certain family lines, let's say, in which these abilities are operating at a heightened level. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what the greys are interested in, because, again, the greys control over human beings is through telepathic means. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to tell you, um, I, I trained in remote viewing with Ed Dames briefly. And I don't know if you guys know who he is, but um, yep. uh, I trained with Ed and he had he and I were having lunch um, at the training and we talked about this as a possibility. He, he tended to believe it was true. Carl Jung postulated the psychologist that studied with Sigmund Freud, and then they broke. But uh, Jung said there is a collective unconscious where there is a single point of origin where you can know all things frontwards, backwards, anywhere in the universe. And Ed and I, in our discussion, even took it further. We talked about the fact that at the a quantum second before the Big Bang, that we were all connected. And then as the Big Bang happened, then there was this huge dispersal, but we're still connected to source. And we thought it was possible that the source was a quantum second before the Big Bang. And that's what connects us emotionally, spiritually, and telepathically. Well, I think that's fascinating because it, that 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 to, seems to me to resonate with Colossians one fifteen, in which we're told that all things were created by him, re- referring to the Son of God, through him and for him, and in him all things consist. And so that's why I refer to Christ as the singularity, that he yes. is the mm-hmm. Big Bang. And so if all things consist in him, then I think you're absolutely right, Dave. I think that would be a biblical uh, paradigm. Yeah, the, just the tenets of his remote viewing, though, even speak to going to this origin. He would give us these envelopes with a target inside. You could not see the target. And he said, okay, assign this an eight-digit code. Mm-hmm. And so we'd assign an eight-digit code, and that would be our like our homing beacon. And then we'd go through a checklist of things. Is it, uh, what color is it? It's shape, it's structure, you know, and you'd go through all these things and you would have just first impression. You touch your pencil on the paper. No, no, yes, check it. No, no, yes, check it. Then you'd look at what you have and analysis is not allowed. Analysis ruins it. And then you look at, at your paper and you begin to do a freehand sketch of what you said your sense impressions were. And I experienced some pretty remarkable things about what I was able to do with what the target was inside that envelope, as were other people in that class. And so that's why I came to believe in the point of origin theory before the Big Bang. Well, as I said, that that resonates with me. And, and I think that there is, to some degree, a collective unconscious that we are all, you, we are all, connected in a very mysterious way and and that explains for example sometimes there's a phenomenon i don't remember the name of it when people have similar dreams at the same time 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been stu- that's been studied extensively. Right, people from all over the world during a period of time will have very similar dreams. Right, right. And so it seems that we are connected on that level. And um, I do find that fascinating. I think that it probably is because all of creation is is intrinsically connected on some level. Well, we are, and this is why I think Jesus commands us to love our enemies, because he's referring to that connectiveness, that you're just hurting yourself when you act in anger towards other people and, and express hatred. And, and so this is what I've come to believe. I, I, I tell you, judgment in me are a problem, okay, particularly with the government we labor under right now. But I have to continually work on this because I know that when I judge Joe Biden and say he's a traitor and should suffer a traitor's fate, I've right away separated myself from God because I've separated myself from that singularity that you mentioned. Mm. That's that's very intriguing. Hey, I have a few series of questions here, Tim. I'd, I'd like to, to give me a short answer on them. Um, let's get back to this Amuamua object. The I'm not known for short answers. <laughs> I, I know, I know. We'll try. Um, but for the, the sake of brevity and time, where would the mothership be created? Do you, do you ever have a consideration for a certain star system, a, mm. a series or bodies of areas within the, uh, within the cosmos where you think this is the most likely sector that it would come from? Well, this is a great question. And, and, and I'm mm-hmm. going to talk quickly here because it connects to an, something I wanted to say earlier, which you and I were talking about yesterday, Doug, going back to that, that automatic recoil that Christians have when confronted with the notion of, a mothership in our solar system. I don't recoil. I ask the question that you just asked. My first thought wouldn't be fallen angel or demon or deception. My first thought would be, where was that thing manufactured? Where was it manufactured? And and what is it made of? That would be my first thought, because... Uh, again, the, the existence of extraterrestrials is not in, in and of itself a deception. So my mind, the, the, the more, the deeper questions, the more inquisitive questions are pertain to the, to the, to the origins of this craft. Where, where did the technology come from? What kind of technology is it using? And, and again, where was it created? Now, I think that when we look out into the solar system and we see these desolate planets and, and, and if you and if you've never looked through a high powered telescope, man, they're becoming more and more available. Yeah. It is it is absolutely astounding to look at these planets through high powered telescopes. They're they're just mesmerizingly beautiful, and they're so mysterious. And something about these planets just draws you into this mystery, and you just feel like you're in this cosmic theater. Um, and it, it really gives you a very unique perspective. So um, let's not forget, though, that you may have these desolate planets with nothing existing on the surface and nothing apparently existing on the surface but that's not to say that things can't exist within the planets there could be bases inside of these planets there could be bases and i would strongly contend our bases on the surface of our moon and perhaps within our moon but also uh inside of mars i think that there are underground bases in mars and there's lots of reasons i think that it's this isn't just a a random thought of mine. I have, I have reasons that, that cause me to lean in the direction that there are underground bases in Mars. And so some of these entities may be very, very close to home. In other words, they may, they may be 
literally deploying from Mars or the interior of Mars or from the interior of Venus or something like this. Remember that uh, according to our own government, advanced aerospace vehicles, which they call transmedium vehicles, can traverse water just as easily as air. They don't create a splash when they go into the water. It's it's a phenomenon we can't explain. So they're they're able to do things that we can't explain in terms of atmospheres and water and who knows what else. So I think that um, I have no problem, by the way, with interstellar tr- travel because I believe in the existence of Einstein Rosen bridges, yeah. um, which are which are a function of um, which are a function of relativity, Einstein's theory of relativity, and and are theoretically possible. We just don't know how to generate them. In fact, I think we do know how to generate them. Actually, we just don't know where we would ever get enough energy to, to open open one, and more importantly, sustain that opening through space and time um, to create an Einstein Rosen bridge. So they could be created anywhere to, to, to give, to, to wrap this question up, but I, I would not discount either that they're created inside of the earth. I mean, as I said, why do we think that the devil is sitting on a, is sitting on like a, some horned throne down in hell uh, surrounded by a bunch of people suffering instead of occupying perhaps very advanced technologically advanced bases. Yeah. Uh, under the earth. Why, why is that not a possibility? Tim, you're lending credence to Admiral Byrd's diary that was allegedly discovered by his son. Uh, so very, very interesting. What about Orion? And Orion is so much in our folklore and, and Orion some, and, and the, Pleiades. uh, Pe- uh yeah, Pleiades. Pleiades. Yeah. Uh, but Orion specifically, in fact, this is where the pharaoh supposedly died and traveled to. And yeah. the description almost sounds like a stargate to me, the way they describe the travel. And I look at that, but also, too, um, we were able to watch in 1997 these meetings I used to go to with unnamed people because we had to sign non-disclosure agreements. But we saw NASA footage of uh spacecraft that was taking pictures and sometimes open feeds would happen they later closed the feeds but at the conclusion of a messy uh, a mission they went and they turned the cameras on orion and mm. i saw this repeatedly this goes back to 1997 tim and and so i i think orion has some role to play in this but what it is i don't know but it's interesting too when you mentioned they could come from within the earth you know the hollow earth theory well, this is kind of what Admiral Byrd allegedly had happened to him when he went into Antarctica. And uh, the legends of Antarctica and Satan are legendary. And perhaps hell, descend into hell, would be a popular phrase that could be what's under Antarctica. I mean, if you want to apply it literally. And I'm just speculating, but I found the Admiral Byrd diary to be somewhat credible because of all the issues and interferences he had on his mission to Antarctica. And there was a reason why he was dispatched to Antarctica and the government's never made that clear. You know, that's interesting. So there's a, there's a, there's a situation that's very similar to the underground mysteries of Antarctica, the, the legends of this underground world Mm -hmm. under the ice. Um, There's very similar legends in Peru, which, which, no one ever talks about they're very little known but there's actually a uh there's actually a a secret society an andean secret society called the capacuna who keep the mystery of of the biracochas 
And the Vita Kochas are supposed to be these advanced beings and they're fair skinned, golden blonde hair, blue eyes, um, a little taller than we are, maybe, maybe six and a half, seven feet tall. And they're very advanced and according to the Kapakuna, uh, benevolent beings who live within the Andes mountains or under the Andes mountains. And in fact, if you go to Peru to these villages, these little, these small Andean villages, Many of these villages have had encounters with these beings and with the, and with the saucers that they fly in and that allegedly come from under the mountains. And so, um, it's really when I was in Peru, uh, doing some, some, uh, on expedition in Peru and I would encounter these, um, the, the legends of the, the Viracochas in the Andes that i would i would begin to contemplate the possibility that this that a, that a part of this angelic faction uh is is here on earth obviously that's a that's a biblical premise here on earth and are inhabiting are not inhabiting the bowels of hell but rather are inhabiting in an underground civilization an underground underground cities let's call them for lack of a better term environments um, that are not at all hellish, not to say that these are good beings, by the way, but are, are not at all hellish. Rather, they're, they're, they're probably quite comfortable and, uh, and, um, and much more like, you know, perhaps bases or, as I said, cities than, 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 than the hellscape that we imagine. So, um, that I always, that always, those two things are always connected in my, my mind. Antarctica, what's going on under Antarctica and what's going on apparently under the Andes. In fact, there's villages in Peru near Na- Nazca, by the way, in, in Paracas and in that area, uh, but up, up towards the mountains that to this day, if you vil- visit the villages and start asking the elders, the elderly about the Vida Cochas, they'll tell you, yeah, we were visited. Our grand, our, father or our parents or our grandparents were visited by the Vita coaches. They landed one day in their saucer. They had this silver saucer shaped craft and it landed and these beings came out of it and they had blonde hair and blue eyes and fair skin and, 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 and they came out and they, you know, they, in some cases they're described as healing people of diseases or whatever and, and, and communicating telepathically with people. And then they get back in the craft and they fly away. And there are indeed many, many sightings of saucers in these areas. Many sightings yeah, of saucers. Yeah. I, so, I totally agree. I totally, I've heard these stories, and I do think they're real. Um, what's interesting to me, though, is um, it's just what's scary. Let's say this object coming into the solar system is real. Um, I discount the fact that they're going to deploy anything because we just wouldn't know. I think that's a silly supposition without any evidence. But I will say this. Clearly, the technology is superior. And history and sociology show that when a superior technology encounters an inferior technology, the inferior is either absorbed or destroyed. And this is what we need to worry about. And this is why I have no trouble believing this could be the beginning of the tribulation. And I go back to Project Bluebeam. What's your opinion on that? On Project Bluebeam? Yes. Um, Project Bluebeam was, I believe, uh, it was a real project. Uh, and, and as many people know, it was, uh, designed to, um, it was designed to perpetrate 
a fake UFO invasion, a fake alien mm-hmm. invasion in order to consolidate the nations into a global governing body to establish a new world order. Um, and that, that, that they would use an extraterrestrial threat, a, a true existential threat to do so. You know, today it looks like they're trying to use climate change, but to do for the same, for the same goal. My problem with Project Bluebeam, although it was a genuine and real project, it is no longer necessary. It, it, it is, it has become irrelevant because we have a real alien threat. We actually have a threat and we have all the receipts to prove that there's a threat. And certainly the government has the receipts to prove that this threat exists. And the real threat is the grays and the abduction program, the, 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 the production, the progeneration of advanced human alien hybrids that for all intents and purposes are us. We can't, we can't, we cannot tell the difference between an advanced alien, human alien hybrid and, and a old fashioned homegrown human being. And that, that, and, and who knows what the purpose of that program is, as we talked about before on this, on your show here, that are these, are these hybrids intended to integrate into the upper echelons of human society, of, of, of finance, uh, of, of government, of, of, of the militaries of the world? And if so, for what purpose? It can't be anything good because it's subterfuge, because it's yeah. a clandestine. Yeah. So it, it's not good for us because if it were good for us, they would be doing it openly. Rather, they're doing it in a very secretive manner. And so it's covert. Um, and that is a clear and present danger. The, again, the, 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 the UFO phenomenon is co- very clearly being, being discussed in the context of a national security threat. Uh, that's why that government organization, uh, that we mentioned, uh, earlier, the AARO was established, was established to investigate these objects of interest that are hovering around military installations. So the threat is here, the real threat. And these craft are hovering around military ins- installations. You don't need uh, a holographic hoax. We don't need to perpetrate a hoax in order to convince people that this is happening because it 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 just so happens that it is occurring. And uh, so we have the the genuine article. I just don't see why we would ever need to deploy a ruse uh, that would that would that would basically accomplish that would certainly accomplish the same goals. Unless the gray um, abductions are part of the deception. I don't think Um, that's true, but I think we have to entertain that possibility. You mean like the as in other words, we advanced so much after Roswell, we were able to duplicate grays. And we're creating a persona that will later be used to trip the people in the Great Deception. I'm not saying I believe this, but it's one of the hypotheses I've looked at. It, it, okay, it may be, but the problem is that the Greys were run way before Roswell. How far back do you think it goes? It goes back at least to the late 1800s. And I think that's when the Greys uh, arrived. The Greys, by the way, there is no... People assume that there's evidence for Grey aliens thousands of years ago in cave drawings and stuff the the reality is that there's not none of the depictions in these caverns and and petroglyphs really look like gray aliens gray aliens are so um iconographic that that it wouldn't be difficult for any culture to depict a gray alien with the bulbous head and the almond shaped eyes yeah. um in the spindly little body um 
and so uh, I and and many ufologists uh, that I know serious good ufologists would reject the notion that the grays have been around for thousands of years um all the good ufologists that i know including uh, dr jacobs and and the late bud hopkins um uh, affirm that that it appears that the gray alien specifically showed up around the end of the around the turn of the 20th century in other words uh the late 1800s and indeed what's very and and i i i i i drew this conclusion myself before i read these opinions by these other ufologists and the reason why i drew that conclusion myself and i was delighted to find that these other ufologists agreed that they also concluded that the grays arrived in the late 1800s and the reason why i drew that conclusion was because i think that there's a direct correlation between the arrival of gray aliens and the and the the wave of spiritualism that was going on in uh, from the mid 1800s all the way into the early early 20th century do, most do people think- don't realize uh what was happening at that time in regard to spiritualism i'm talking about seances i'm talking about yeah, um yeah. I, i'm I, talking about mediums it, it it was said that in during that time that it was just as common for a person to attend church to attend a seance to contact the dead as it was for people to to attend church on sunday yeah, I, so we, we just we don't we can't comprehend that because today it's the opposite because of new atheism and you know all the skepticism. But at the turn of the century, back in the late eighteen hundreds, man, there were seances being done in the White House. It was yep, it was right. just it saturated society. Abraham. And guess what? Gray aliens showed up. That speaks to this interconnectedness that you're talking about. Were they channeled through the occult to come here, do you think? I think that, let's put it this way, you were, you were talking about that interconnectedness with all things. Let's say we were broadcasting. We were sending out a signal. And to some extent, I think that by engaging in this level of spiritualism, th- th- things that are explicitly prohibited, by the way, in the Bible, yes. um, contacting the dead, I, trying to contact the dead, and so forth, I think that we collectively... Um, authorized something to happen by doing this, by engaging. We were enticed to engage into this spiritual, to engage in the spiritualism in order to permit, in order to create the conditions in which the grays could arrive and begin to operate on the earth and begin to, uh, to, to do the things to to execute their program so never this is something i don't really talk about enough and and i'm so glad you 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 spurred this these this this commentary you you when you think about the arrival of gray aliens we should directly associate it with the occult and spiritualism and that is not to say by the way that they're oh they're demons see i knew they were demons because it's associated with the occult and spiritualism no it doesn't mean they're demons it means that they're telepathic and it means that we when we do these things that are prohibited in the scriptures and especially you know in the old testament in terms of trying to contact the dead we're accessing these percept perceptive faculties that we have these extrasensory faculties and we're trying to do things with them that are not that are that are dangerous that are ill-advised and and that are prohibited in by god 
And when we do these things, we contact, we, we make contact with other kinds of entities. It does not automatically mean, therefore, that these are demons. So I want to make sure that that's... I understand what you're saying. Um, I have a, Hey, Dave, I have a few points in here. Go ahead. Um, so currently, I, I've been working on a, a history of Madame Blavatsky. I actually have it up on my show. And one of the next series that I'm coming up with is uh, it's going to be over Aleister Crowley, over occultism from the 18th, 19th, 20th century. And if any of you are familiar with Aleister Crowley, he had a spiritual contact that you could only define through his sketches and drawings as a gray alien that was called Lamb I Am. Now, many people call this a demon. Many people called it an alien. You can call it what you want. But the drawings and the connection that he had with this entity was real. And this correlates, I believe, with what you just said, with occultism and then whatever the alien phenomena is. And I and I loosely define it because it is what it is, and I don't know exactly what it, it is. is. Yeah, But yeah. SETI, you have the SETI Foundation and the what is it uh the seti 5 or ce ce5 uh contact with entities um and there's a ufologist he, tim knows greer. who he is and i'll let tim talk about him yeah stephen greer dr stephen greer now greer is more or less does the same thing that the yogis do he likes to astral project and then he likes to um, sit down and meditate, and then all of a sudden, UFOs pop up, and all of a sudden, uh, they have pictures of entities floating around a campfire that just materialize. And they're ghastly. They're not real physical objects. I don't believe they're actual material. It's like if there's a, a veil there that they have penetrated, and they just appear. And they're always what they claim to be benevolent. However, there's a connection there. They are meditating trying to contact through their uh, spiritual walk or whatever the hell they claim they're doing, and they're contacting an entity. And it's exactly the same thing that Madame Blavatsky did with uh, being a medium and trying to contact the dead. It's exactly the same thing because she, Madame well, Blavatsky, talked about meeting a, a Indian man who would, who would just materialize out of nothing. Um, that she could never uh, fully define. He was always loosely well, she defined. Was, she said she, she was in contact with the Great Brotherhood, too, who were supposed to be these ancient right. ancient beings who've the, been around for masters. hundreds of years. And, right. They would, they would be equivalent to the Veracosha so that I was talking about in the Andes. Yep. So, so I have that question, but here's the other one. You were talking about beings underground. Did you find, or do you, do you have a, a similar notion that Sardinia and its underground tunnels could also be leading to, I don't know, a hollow earth, whatever people want to call this, but the same area where you would have. The I, I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a Sardinia? lot of underground. There's a lot of underground stuff in Sardinia for sure. I've seen the entrances and a lot of them are, they're, they're barred off for, for obvious reasons. They don't want kids wandering in there and stuff, but there's certainly a lot of, uh, a lot of underground structures beneath the Nuragi formations the nuragi constructions those towers those stone towers and and tombs um now let me let me address very quickly the 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 two points that you you were making first in 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 regard to Alistair crowley and lamb i do not believe that lamb is a gray alien um he has a perhaps a a a 
he has a slight resemblance to a gray alien because his head is kind of bulbous and uh and there are some features that you may if you turn the you know if you if you dim the lights you could imagine that it's a gray alien but but lamb um i do not think was a gray alien and if lamb if lamb was associated with the grays he would have been a human alien hybrid not a gray so he would have been an early stage hybrid which some of the early stage hybrids looked kind of like weird humans bulbous heads straggly hair on their head their eyes were not jet black like the grays they were still sort of a little bit almond shaped and they but they had pupils their mouths were unnaturally small um their their noses were were unusually small um so if 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 there was any association whatsoever between lamb and the grays then he was a hybrid not a gray um but i'm not sure there was any association but if there was he would have been a hybrid so he's not a gray alien um the the yeah the, lamb the second... didn't have the almond shaped eyes he had regular eyes from right. the drawings and right so so like that's why i said if anything he would have been a hybrid um uh, in regard to um shoot what was the second point you made uh uh um the ce5 stuff the, the, the ability stuff. To... ce5 stuff that's right in Greer. uh i don't believe most of that i think it's um i think people are having to some extent perceptual experiences now now i'll tell you what does show up sometimes when people are again this this goes back to what dave brought up earlier this 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 telepathic interconnectedness that we have um uh what what do show up sometimes are not like saucers rather the orbs show up mm-hmm. so what people are seeing are most likely the orbs not craft these are reconnaissance uh technology no. and they're more than that there's actually i think there's a there's a grid system of orbs around the world um and sometimes orbs there's a, there there is some footage with, which i think is credible of orbs actually destroying ufos so i don't know if that's if it's a certain faction that mm. has this grid of orbs around the earth or if it's I don't know. I mean, dare I say, maybe even the good guys have this. Yeah. Maybe there's a defense. Tim, maybe I mean, there's a defense apparatus on Earth defending mankind to some extent. I have no idea. It could be anything. But keep in mind that that oftentimes when people say that they were meditating and a UFO showed up, what actually showed up was was a UFO in the sense that it's unidentified. But what actually shows up is not a craft. It's not a Phoenix Light mothership. Rather, it's an orb. So yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. My yeah. father had experience with orbs. He was in charge on the carrier Roosevelt of rewiring the combat information center to accept the first nuclear weapons back in the fifties. Mm. And this was before satellites. So they went around Cape Horn to do this. So the Soviets couldn't detect what they were doing for three straight nights. They were followed by orbs. He shared all this with me before he passed. What's interesting though, is this leaked out later. My mom and I are watching a show and they said, when the Roosevelt was doing this secret mission, orbs followed them. And I couldn't believe they had this. I was sworn to secrecy, not to talk about things like this that my dad had told me because his security oath would have been violated. My mom would have lost his pensions. And so I, I look at this and, and the orbs thing, I don't have a handle on what it is. Neither did he. They fired on the orbs on the second night and mm-hmm. they would just, they would just move or the shells would just go right through them. Right. And, and sometimes the orbs were elevated. 
So they dispatch craft and the craft would fly right through them. Right. And the orbs, and would, these the orbs the- would move to intercept. So in other words, here comes the craft, the orb would move over yep. and the craft would go right through it. And there was some instrumentation disruption, but nothing that was longstanding. Yeah, and and these are these are the these are the famous Foo Fighters too. The Foo Fighter incident, yeah. World War II. Same thing. You had these orbs and balls of light. There's probably a difference. I mean, I think we're looking at two different technologies. The balls of light are one thing. The orbs are are also there are metallic orbs, and I think there are there there have been more than a few recovered. Um, so the one that's the one that is uh, best described from what I've been able to gather so far is. What the owner of a Skinwalker Ranch showed, you know, he he described a a basketball to a beach ball sized um, spherical object that was translucent and it looked like it had blue liquid to an extent that could be swashing around with almost uh, static like electricity inside of it or sometimes around it. Yeah, and there was a couple different ones that he talked about. There were blues and then reds, and I think it was the ones that were the uh, the red orbs were the ones that would always chase the cattle for some odd reason. There's yeah, there's different uh, technologies that are associated with orbs. I I I see you've busted out your Douglas General Douglas M- MacArthur corn corn pipe. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Making you jealous. That's yeah, interesting. Well. Tim, let me conclude with you responding to this question. Okay, so we have this report, which shocks me because the government isn't forthcoming about anything sensitive, but it's out there saying, here comes an extraterrestrial craft, and the clear implication is it's a national security threat of an unknown nature. Okay, so where do you think this is headed? Uh, I think it's I think it's good that we're going to continue on pace with this gradual rather awkward process of disclosure from the pentagon again a good point that uh, that doug raised earlier not nasa but rather the pentagon so this is always this is staying squarely within the national security threat context uh i don't expect there to be some sort of jaw-dropping mind-bending event that's going to just blow the lid off of this thing i think the very the the reason why the pentagon is doing this is to get in front of the story and, and slowly leak and control the leak and control the narrative that's why we're seeing these things happen um that's why we're seeing the sort of uh, nomenclature the, the 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 language that's being used in regard to ufo's and uaps um so I expect more lettered, respected, lettered people, uh, such as uh, Professor Loeb and uh, or Chairman Loeb, rather from Harvard, from Harvard, to be coming out and lending credence to the idea of extraterrestrial craft in, in our solar system and indeed in our airspace. Um, Joe Rogan will continue to cover UFOs and, and that, that's done a lot to sort of further this soft disclosure, uh, cause guys like him were very skeptical about UFOs just some years ago. And now suddenly it's, it's just shifted into fact rather than fiction, which is very, very interesting. Yeah. Don't um, forget about Tucker and Tucker Carlson, right. And some of these other media personalities. So the, 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 the rollout is very, very gradual. It's cunning. 
Um, I, uh, when, as it pertains to guys like Rogan and uh, some of these other documentary filmmakers and George Knapp and some of these guys, it's just it's just investigators and it's and it's it's ufology. You know, some of these guys that have been doing this for a long time are contemplating these things. And and as it pertains to the to the Pentagon, it's a very crafty, carefully, um, um, uh, cleverly crafted narrative uh, control. That's that's the difference. On one side, it's just inquisitive. On the other side, it's far more. And that being the government side, it's far more than just inquisitive. It's 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 intentional. They want to make sure they don't lose control of this narrative. Um, and so I just expect it to pr- proceed at a very slow pace. I expect every every couple of months we're going to hear something more about it until the public is gradually conditioned. It will, will become like, you know, the proverbial boiling frog eventually with UFOs and just, oh, yeah, UFOs. Uh, OK, they're real fine. Move on. Um, that seems to be what's happening. And um, and that would indicate to me that the government is not trying to perpetrate a hoax. Rather, it's desperately trying to pump the brakes on disclosure because they can't control the phenomenon, but they can control the narrative. Interesting. I would like to I would like to state that when the federal government comes out, any federal entity comes out and talks about this from the executive office, legislative, it doesn't matter if it's the president, the White House, Pentagon, CIA, whoever. These are controlled narratives and it's propaganda. Propaganda contains truth. Propaganda contains a lot of uh, lies within it as well, but it's all used to steer and manipulate the concept of reality that they want to control your concept of their reality. So they craft the reality for you to believe in. So always remember that whenever any government official comes out and says, this is what we know to be true, that statement had to be wrote down. It had to be uh, blessed off by the lawyers. All right. Everything's blessed off by the lawyers. And then from there, it's given to select media for that select media to say only what they said, this is what you shall say, this is how you shall write it. And we've known since the 50s that the CIA controls every narrative that the mainstream media talks about. Mm-hmm. We can't deny that because of Mockingbird. But, Tim, I think you're absolutely correct. The phenomena is growing in intensity. It's growing in the occurrence that everyone around the world has a cell phone and can see things that the government cannot just come out and openly deny anymore. The advancement of technology means that everybody now can share a UFO in the sky, the strange lights, the different appearances. Obviously, you have the uh, the problem with uh, the abductions, but they can't control the narrative, but it doesn't mean they can't steer and guide it. Yeah, you know, there's one thing we didn't mention, and we don't have time to go into it, unfortunately. But that would start in 1977 with the wow signal from space. And now we have what's coming back from Voyager that's just bizarre, but they won't really release what it is. They could turn the camera on, but NASA refuses to turn the camera on. I think they have the camera on. We're just not going to be told about it. That's right. And then there's other signals that have come in. There's been five signals they have ruled out as being part of Earth communication that could create a false mirrored impression. Uh, I've done a lot of research on this, and i got to tell you, there is other evidence out there, Tim, that supports what you're saying. And I think the the, the signals from space are it. Um, and and it's, it's a scary proposition 
Because if it is demonic, and assuming just for the sake of argument it is, we're in for a very long uh, three and a half years. Right. And by demonic, you mean nefarious and uh, and leading to the unfolding of events that we read about in Revelation. Yeah, the Antichrist appearance. And yeah, it could be a long three and a half years. And, and uh, you know, I, I've tried to deny the fact that we're really just right on the edge of, of tribulation. But the evidence is clearly mounting up. Doug, what do you think? You think we're on the edge of tribulation? I'm going to say what Tim said uh, a couple shows prior. Don't say UAP, say UFO. UFO. Because okay. that is the deception. Okay, I, I agree with you. Tim, you agree with that statement? That's a deception? I'm I'm sorry, with what agreement? Uh, what what nope. uh, Doug was saying, call it UFO, not UAP. It's part of well, the Well, I certainly agree with that statement, yeah, because I, and again, we talked about this because it's so convenient for the government to change the nomenclature so that we don't associate all the things from the fi- the files of ufology that that uh, that implicate the government in a in a in a in a hostile cover up of UFOs and then suddenly oh hey it's okay we're studying them you know we're calling them UAPs now that's why I don't like that that terminology but you know we've we've tread that ground but in regards to entering the end of the age i would say certainly we are entering the end of the age of pisces in which we are currently now and it is coming to a conclusion but i think that we still have probably and i i would agree with uh, I would agree with the transhumanist prophet of the World Economic Forum, uh, Yuval Noah Harari, who says that in one to two hundred years from now, there will be no more human beings left on planet Earth. That's exactly what I postulate in my book. And so I believe that we've got a ways to go before we get to the very end. But we are certainly in the beginning of the end of the age, specifically the age of Pisces. Uh, there's no question about that. Yeah, I well, you just opened up another can of worms, but it's another show. And what I was going to talk about was the opposing DNAs and transhumanism is promised to those who are sellouts. You can live forever. This is what you got to do, but you got to serve us. But that's another story for another time. That's another show. Yeah, I'd love to another, have that conversation. That's another show. Well, um, I, I think we've kind of reached a natural conclusion as best we can, given the limited information. Tim, I want to thank you for your expertise and Doug, your insight as well. This is Doug, excuse me, Dave Hodges on behalf of Doug Thornton, my broadcast partner here on the Doug and Dave Intel Report. And we want to bid you adieu. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you back here again next time. Tim, thanks so much for a great show. Thank you, guys. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts to help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TheCommonSenseShow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, 
hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container, you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50 year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.